You know, sometimes in life, it's just the little things that matter. And in the case of our guest today, it's a small annual marketing booklet on sports that brought a family bond closer between a father and a son, a link that'll be a memory for a lifetime. We talk about it more with Mark Speck in just a moment. My name's Darren Hayes, and I know you've heard me on the Pigskin Dispatch talking about football history for years. Well, now I'm on a new mission, a quest to find sports history in other sports, as well as football, by learning through the jerseys and the apparel and the gear that the players wore and the franchises supplied their teams. It's an educational trip, and I'm taking you with me day by day, player by player, uniform by uniform, the Sports Jersey Dispatch. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my sports friends. This is Darren Hayes of the Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to all things good in sports history. And we have a really special guest today. And before I introduce him, I just want to uh, say a little caveat of how I came upon him he he i've seen him quite a bit on uh social media and recently he and some others were talking about a publication uh, from the late 60s and early 70s that just uh they were really passionate about and i said you know i really got to find out more about this and i'm sure the you the audience would like to hear about it too so uh we have mark speck with us today mark speck welcome to the pig pen all right thank you darren it's good to see you and thank you for having me on i really appreciate it well, this is a uh, quite an honor here. I've I've seen quite a bit of uh, you know your your chats on uh, many of the social medias. You know, mainly pertaining to football. We're both PFRA members. Uh, we've never met in person. I uh, hope to do that soon. Uh, but you know, you this uh, particular instance, you're talking about a, a different sport, a different publication. I guess uh, I'll let you uh, introduce the publication and the sport, and uh, then we'll go from there. Yeah, it was something called Kessler. Uh baseball fans guide and it came out in the spring um and it was i i've i've heard it was in uh um you know in bars given out free and also at liquor stores because it was kessler whiskey sponsored it they put it together um and my dad in uh in the late 60s um at one point came home he would stop you know he worked down about an hour away from us in central PA. Um, and he came down, um, you know, he would, uh, stop after work, um, at, at a bar, not get, you know, um, maybe grab a pizza for us, bring it home and he'd have a couple drinks, but they would, I guess it started out. They said, Hey, does your son like baseball? And he goes, yeah. And so he gave him this a fans guide, brought it home. He said, Hey, here you go. And it would really surprise me because I wasn't really aware that my dad was really paying attention to the fact that I really like sports statistics, that kind of thing, you know, and, but he must have, and I read through it. It was like 35 pages. It had like a little one page article on each team. It would have like a little capsule of each, you know, pitching, catching outfield, infield, that kind of thing. Then a kind of a summary had the whole uh, schedule, um, and then he would have like a roster, um, and then he would have like the, um, diagram of the, of the home field, Wrigley field, three rivers, whatever it was. And it would have like a seating chart that what the tickets were, what the, um, uh, dimensions of the ballpark were that kind of thing, where the games could be seen 
heard on radio. It really packed a lot of information in one little tiny 35-page uh, booklet, which was not any bigger than probably five by seven. It was really small, maybe eight by 10. I might be pushing it for that. Maybe six by nine. Let's go with it. So, so it's like a, a reader's digest size, basically. Yeah, you know, and it was really something. So I, I read it and I just, you know, and I absorbed everything in it. It was one of my first experiences with statistics and sports statistics. And then I started buying a sporting news and that was just like the Bible. You know, I mean, anybody who likes statistics probably got started with that box scores, football, you know, scores. And they had the box scores in football, basketball, even the ABA, the NHL, the WHA. So you got it all in this one magazine. And it just really started me on this road that I've taken to be with football research and sports research in general. But it was just, uh, to me, it was just amazing. And it was just kind of a connection I had with my dad. You know, I, I don't know, you know, we all kind of have kind of a tough time growing up with, with our dads. You kind of want to make sure you please him. You want to make sure you're, you're the son that he wants you to be and that kind of thing. And he's, you, you don't know sometimes. I know my dad didn't talk a whole lot. So you didn't know, am I pleasing him? Am I, you know, am I doing enough st stuff for him? And I probably should have done more because he would give me the money for the sporting news. He'd say, hey, you know, we'd stop at the local newsstand, Singleton's in town. And we'd stop there after church, pull in. He said, here, get a paper. Here, get a self of sporting news. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, you helped me a lot this week. Here, get a sporting news. So he's like, and then, you know, looking back, I wish I'd have helped him more. I'd have probably got one each week. I might have got a subscription <laughs> out of him. I don't know, you know, but, you know, it was just the idea. You're a kid. You're not, you know, you're not thinking of that. You're thinking about school and your friends and girls and that kind of thing. So, you know, uh, but, you know, I, I wish I would have helped him out a lot more than I did. But, you know, it was just and this Kessler, this, it's like I said, this fans guide really got me started on the whole thing as far as going down this road with all these, you know, they had the stats, not really um, very much in depth, but they had like their record for the, the past season, you know, as a pitcher. And then, you know, maybe their career record, you know, they would have that with all the position players. They have like, they hit 275 in 1970, but their career record is like 250 or whatever. So it was just, but it was just really interesting to read and, like I said, I, I had not really given much thought to sports statistics before this, but it was thanks to my dad and, and getting this thing he probably picked up for free when he's buying a pizza here, you know, take this, take this, give it to your son. And he got it for me for, you know, four or five years, six years, something like that, you know, until I got, you know, a later teen, and, you know, he probably figured I wasn't really that interested anymore. And I probably would have been, and, and I guess they put it out till the early 2000s which I didn't find out till later. And they actually had started it back in the fifties. So it had been put out for quite a few years and I, I didn't buy it again. I guess, you know, as you get older, you kind of, your, your interest again, start going down the things. And, you know, you get out of high school, you get the job and then you go to college and that kind of thing. And, you know, things change with you. And, you know, I still retain that idea of, of statistics, but in a different avenue. And, but, you know, it, it was out, I see it on eBay and they, they have the 1990s versions, you know, early 2000s. So they, it must've been pretty popular, 
Um, but yeah, it was a really interesting, like I said, just a little 35 page book at the beginning, they would have, you know, the pennant winners all through the years, they would have the leading batters for the last year, the lifetime batters, the lifetime pitchers, lifetime, and in the last year's pitchers, uh, what their records were and that kind of thing. They had, you know, the award winners, it had a lot of stuff in, I mean, it was packed full of stuff and I just was really, um, you know, and, and Again, I think we all have this. Any of us who are sports fans who collected baseball cards or anything else, somehow they got lost in the shop, except for one, 1971, and I kept and I still have. And But I've been able to get on eBay or going to like, you know, antique flea market kind of things, secondhand stores, and I actually bought them from, found them all the way from 69 all the way to 75. So all the ones that I had, I have now. You know, because, you know, I, my, you know, my mom threw out all my comic books, all my baseball cards. I think we all go through that. And uh, so, but yeah, so I've got them all. I sit down and read them. If I've got, you know, it's baseball season and I've got nothing to do. I just pull one out, look through it and, you know, what they talked about, you know, and it's great to look back. And I think this was with any magazine, like the Street and Smiths, which is another one I got into the football and the baseball you know, you get, it's good to look back and see what their predictions were like. You know, oh, they predicted, the, you know, the Phillies to win that year. Are they crazy? You know, that kind of thing. You know, they, they must have had an idea or a reason for it. But I thought that, you know, but it's interesting to go back both in football and baseball and basketball and, and hockey. I've got them all. I've got magazines of all, um, all of them. And it's just interesting to go back and see what their, what their predictions were like and how accurate they were. Sometimes they were okay. And sometimes, you know, they kind of missed a boat, but you know, that happens. I can't do it. You know, so I can't really, you know, uh, criticize them for not getting everything right because I probably would have done worse. So, yeah. It's, it's really an interesting little magazine. And I, you know, I, I finally got the last one. That's why I posted it. It was in 1970. And I finally got that one the week before and we ordered it on eBay. It was like five bucks. You, you really don't, they don't really cost a whole lot if you can find a good deal. And it was like five bucks. And it was like a couple of bucks for shipping came and it was in perfect condition and it came in within a few days. So, um, and I've been looking over that one because it's talking about the Mets, you know, the amazing Mets and that kind of thing, you know? So yeah, it's, it's an amazing little book. And I, I think if, I don't know if anybody out there has it or has read it or would like to, but I, I think if you're interested in sports history and sports statistics, especially baseball, they did have a football one. I just wasn't into that one at the time, which is amazing considering I'm now, you know, Mr. Football research and doing it for the last, well, since 1988, I think was when I really got serious about it, but I never, I got a couple of those. I found them. It's again, secondhand stores, flea markets, that kind of thing. They've dealt mostly with the colleges. So it didn't really go into pro football. So it was more the college, um, college end of it. So it really wasn't, and I really wasn't interested in college football at the time, more in the pros. And uh, so, yeah, so, um, you know, I've got a few of those, but yeah, the baseball ones, I don't know if I'd ever want to go back and get some of the ones I never had. I, I'm not sure. Maybe someday I will. I don't know if I can find some of them, you know, it'd be interesting to look at them to see if they changed their format at all. You know, if they kept that format, you know, with, with everything in one page for each team um, and see if, you know, maybe get one from the nineties or, or something like that, that maybe just to see if they kept that same format. Cause it was really an interesting format. 
and very streamlined to where you could get all this information on one tiny little page and the whole entire yeah. schedule, the, you know, the, the records, um, the, the seating diagram and a little capsule of the, of the team. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, it was an amazing book to read. And like I said, it, it gave me a connection with my dad that I may not have gotten anywhere else. I mean, you know, like I said, it's not, it wasn't difficult, but it was just one of those, you know, you just don't know how, how things are. And, you know, my dad at, at his age, they, they never showed a lot of affection and that kind of thing. Very reticent, very quiet. And I always try to get him to talk about when he was in World War II over in the Pacific. And he never, you know, he said, well, one day a Japanese plane flew over and we all shot at it and missed it. And that's all he's ever, that's all he ever told me. And I'm sure he was involved in more than that. You know, but it's just that's the way they were, you know, that they just didn't talk about things like that. No one ever was able to get him out of, you know, get anything out of him as any more information that, you know, that might have affected him. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that going through that experience probably affected him in, in, a, in a certain way. I had an uncle who was in Europe and and was one of the guys that, you know, liberated the you know, the concentration camps and saw all that going on. And I'm sure that affected him. I talked to my cousin every once in a while. And she says that she says she wishes she had some of the, you know, some of the mementos that he had, but you know, it, 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 it's just that way of that in that certain time, I guess, you know, late sixties, you know, early seventies to where you're like, am I, am, am I doing the right thing for him? You know, and, and you know, that gave us, gave us a connection that he, that he kept up for, like I said, several years and he would buy, you know, say here, buy yourself a sporting news and give me money for, and I would get like the street and Smith's, you know, magazine. And that thing was, that was another amazing magazine. And, you know, you got that, they had everything in there. Um, but yeah, it was, and, but Kessler's always stayed in my heart because I had that 1971, they had a baseball glove on the cover it was red and black. And it just had, you know, Kessler baseball fans guy, 1971. They had like different pictures. It was mostly like artwork. They didn't go into the photographs or anything. I don't know if maybe they couldn't get a, probably to keep the cost down. They didn't want to get into like trademarks and, and registered and that kind of thing and, and have to deal with that kind of thing with Major League Baseball and use their, their images. So they just kind of like had an artwork kind of a thing on the front and just went through it. And, you know, you had to, of course, the Kessler whiskey, um, ad on the back which makes sense they put it out so they're gonna you know try to get a little bit of a push in for themselves so yeah it was very interesting and i really really enjoyed it i, I still do like i said i still pick it up and, and look at it and uh, like i said it's interesting to look back and see how accurate they were and a lot of times they were and you know that's not an easy thing to do because there's always something that comes sure in 68 i think which i were 69 i can't remember where they had the mets i'd have to look that up but I'm sure they didn't have them in first place. And if they did, they were one of the few, um, you know, mm -hmm. to win it in 69. So, but yeah, very interesting little magazine. I think if, if you're a baseball fan and you like to collect things like that, I think it is a nice collectible. Again, it, I found them on very cheap uh, on eBay that where you can get them for like five or six bucks, which isn't bad because you could just try to get the pro football weekly and it's, Oh, anywhere from 12 to $22 for one issue, you know? So, I mean, it's a great magazine. Yeah. And I've had some of them, but you know, um, how much of those can you collect unless you're, you know, win the lottery or something. So, 
Um, anyway, so yeah, yeah, great little magazine, and I like it a lot. And uh, like I said, I and also not only that, and getting me down the road, uh, studying statistics and doing research, but also having a connection with my dad. He actually noticed that that I was doing that, and and realized that, and you know, he'd pick on me. I'd be sitting here with a bunch of stuff around, and he'd go, "Oh, there's Mark with the statistics again." But, you know, and I put that in the first book that I read as far as the, you know, that quote, uh, I dedicated it to him just because of that. Because And he said it jokingly. It wasn't like being mean or anything. He was just, you know, there he is sitting there with his stats again. And I said, well, it finally paid off, Dad. <laughs> All that time, you tripping over it or walking past me with it, um, it paid off. So, uh, yeah, you know, great little magazine, a great memory. You know, again, not only that, not only just, you know, Street and Smiths and all those other things that I have. They're great to have, but they don't have that memory of, of a connection with my dad that, that, uh, customers. that that's the most important thing is, um, you know, having a connection with your father or a grandfather, you know, just, but yours, yours have that special bond. And I'm sure that has to bring, you know, the great memories of, of Kessler's, you know, baseball guide. And that's probably why it's so important to you. And it's, uh, that's, that's great that you can, you know, recapture some of that by getting some of those copies that, uh, you know, got lost through time or, you know, mom threw away or whatever, <laughs> but uh, you probably didn't realize the importance of it. And you probably didn't realize the importance until you're older. You know, I had, I had a similar experience. My dad got me, um, you know, that whole generation was very stoic. Uh, my, my dad, you know, was born yeah. during world war two. So he wasn't in the war, uh, but you're still very stoic. And, you know, he, dad, my dad's still with us, but uh, you know, one connection we always had was sports, but he bought me probably in 1977, 78. He gave me a copy of the uh, NFL record book. You know, it was like a paperback book. It was probably, you know, inch and a half thick and, yep. uh, you know, very popular at the time. But I think I read that thing till the pages were falling out and it's, it's probably still around here somewhere or, or somebody threw it up because it looks like a, a hunk of garbage by now. <laughs> but I always had a special bond to that. And that really, yep. like you, it set me on a path of, you know, baseball cards and football cards and, you know, street and Smiths and, you know, everything you get your hand on, you know, the sporting news. I mean, people that are, uh, you know, younger than 35 probably don't appreciate how important these magazines were uh, to youth that was interested in football and adults are interested in football because we didn't have the internet and we didn't, couldn't turn on a TV channel that had 24 hour sports. Uh, you know, it was, right. You had to wait till six o'clock, you know, 20 after six when the sports came on the news or, you know, if you were allowed to stay up past 11 to watch that news, that was, that was it. That was your sports. And then Sundays or when the ball games were on and uh, or the newspaper and pe people that are younger that uh, don't remember before the Internet uh, just can't appreciate that. And uh, I think that's a, a really special thing that you had with your dad. And I think that's really great. That's a really cool thing. I guess um. Now you brought up something. Uh, you have some books that you, you wrote. Uh, maybe if you could tell us a little bit about those. Yeah, uh, again, it was around '88 when I started. I I joined a PFRA some years after that, but actually, it wasn't that far after that. My my ex now ex wife gave me that for a, a present for Christmas or something. Was this subscription to it a membership um, to the PFRA? And I thought when I was starting to research the WFL, World Football League from the 70s, I thought I was the only person doing it. Nobody else is that crazy out here looking at, you know, the old microfilm machines that look like a, about as big as a video game 
and you're putting the winding that thing on there and you're going through all these old newspapers and looking at your eyeballs are about ready to implode. And, and doing that, and I think nobody else is doing this. Well, then I joined the PFRA and I found out there's this whole group of people that are doing, it, you know, and one of them was Todd Mayer who uh, had put out a book through PFRA about the WFL, which was kind of the, precursor to the WFL encyclopedia, which we, him and I worked on. He asked me to help him with it. And we put it out. I think it came out in 2006 and uh, it, it still sells to this day. And some people swear it's the Bible of the world football league. A lot of great reviews on Amazon um, that it had, you know, it had statistics. It had blurbs about each team and had the rosters, coaches, um, drafts a player register at the end um so it was pretty you know again another small book that really packed a lot of information and uh, so then we got that done and you know i we had gone through so saint johan press up in uh, new jersey and uh, you know so i didn't really think about it anything about that after a while and i was just happy to see that it was out kind of proud of it and uh so then I got an idea, you know what, I want to write another book, but I want to write, I wanted to write about the Florida Blazers. And, and that was the team that they were in the WFL and uh, they got paid for like the first seven weeks and then the check stopped. They started bouncing. And for the last 13 weeks of the season, these guys didn't get paid. They kept playing. They kept winning. They'd vote whether or not they would play. They said, no, we're going to keep playing. We're professionals. Um, you know, we've got pride and Jack party, who was the coach, it was his first coaching job. First, first, uh, first year as a head coach, just kept that team together. And I just thought that was a great story. So I ran it by, um, Dave Beisel, who's the, uh, the head of St. Johan. He loved it. I put it together, um, and made a, you know, and wrote a book came out and it's, it has done well. So it just started me on. Let's keep this going. So I then, then wrote a book um, about the entire WFL, which was, you know, covered every team. It was mostly narrative. It wasn't a lot of stats. It wasn't a lot of rosters and that kind of thing. Um, but it was a narrative of each team, uh, some of the personalities in the league, um, that kind of thing. And again, it's selling fairly well. Then I wanted to do a book. Uh, came up with I'm coming up with ideas as I'm going I'm gonna like I said I'm gonna keep throwing at Dave until he says no I don't want to hear any more ideas so he didn't say that so he just kept saying yeah that sounds good let's do it the next one was a, a about a semi-pro team that was actually from central Pennsylvania and you may remember them I think they played Erie a couple of times a semi-pro team the Erie Express I think they were yeah the Erie Express yeah and it was called the Central Pennsylvania Whitetail Bucks, which has to be the longest name in the history of sports, I think. I mean, they, they spelled the entire thing out. And they came around about 75. And, um, and I said, I want to always write a book about these guys. I never went to any games. I should have um, because they played in State College where Penn State is. They played in Altoona. They played in, you know, all these little towns around the area that had players. And a lot of the players that played on the team played my high school in football they were on like glendale high school and moshannon valley and that kind of thing 
So it was a connection there that, you know, it was a local guys playing on a local team. It wasn't guys from new, you know, New York or Texas or California or whatever it might be. It was local guys. And I told it to Dave. Dave said, yeah, let's go with it. It sounds good. And it's done very well. Um, I interviewed a ton of the guys from the, from the team because they all, most of them still lived around the Altoona state college area, which I found out through the interviews, there was kind of a little bit of a rivalry between the Altoona guys and the state college guys, they kind of, it wasn't, they didn't get along, but they, ah, we're, we were the ones that really kept the team. No, nah, we were the ones, it was just not those state college. So, but I interviewed like a group of both and just the greatest bunch of guys. They, I really think they had thought they were forgotten. I mean, their last game was in 78 and, you know, probably nobody had talked to them probably in years about it. I think they had an, an article from the, 25th reunion they had and that would have been uh, you know at one point but as far as that but they were just open you know and I called it playing for a hoagie and a beer and I wish I could say I came up with the title but it was one of the players who, who did I was interviewing him and he said you know what Mark playing for that team was like playing for a hoagie and a beer and I said you know what I may not be able to come up with a good title but I know a good one when I hear it so I, I that was the title um, and, uh, yeah, just a great bunch of guys really appreciated it. We had a team reunion not too long after it came out and uh, a bunch of the guys got together, um, and had a great time. And we've, you know, we still stayed connected. We've had a couple of get together since. So we had that book. Then I went back to the world football league with another, another book, which was about the Detroit wheels who were another team that really had financial difficulties. Guys were living together just to save money. Um, they were drying off with, with uh, their T-shirts instead of towels in the locker room. Some guy asked for a shoelace and couldn't get one. Um, you know, and they had 33. They, 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 the joke around was that they had 33 owners, but it was more 33 investors. And they didn't have that strong central owner who would take the reins and, and take over and make the decisions. So they would have these meetings every Friday and nothing would get done. Well, what do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? So they didn't have that strong character like an Al Davis, like a, like a Jerry Jones, like a, you know, Art Modell, somebody like that who would make the decision. All right. How are we doing? Are we, are we on board with this? Okay, let's do it. We're doing it. And then maybe the, the, the problems wouldn't have become so um, intense and so, um, you know, significant um, as they went on because, you know, guys were, you know, like I said, they were trying to move families together. One coach was living in somebody else's basement because he couldn't get a place to live. Once they found out they were with the team, nobody would rent to them because they knew they were not getting paid. I'm not going to get my rent from this guy. Sorry, I can't rent to you. So, you know, they, and unfortunately, unlike the Blazers, they didn't have a lot of success. I think they won one game out of 14 and they finally got, you know, finally folded them after a while and some of their players got picked up in the dispersal draft. But again, that one got a lot of good reviews. And right now I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the, the latest one to come out as a book on the San Antonio wings who played in 75 kind of switching gears. All these teams were 74, but I got a, on this team was 75. And, um, you know, it was interesting because they had the San Antonio Toros, which were a semi pro team who had been around for about a decade and were great. I mean, one year their record was 20, wins and one loss i mean they were just they won every year if a league they were in folded 
the owner of the team would would figure out either find another league or make one himself. And they just kept playing every year, no matter what league it was like the continental league. They were in a Texas league, um, the trans American league, the Southwestern league, the mid, uh, mid America league. So they, but they kept playing. And, uh, so then they came along with this Toros who were actually, they were the wings, excuse me. They came along with the San Antonio wings who were, uh, you know, actually kind of the remnants of the Florida Blazers. They got the rights to the Blazers players and uh, and got that. And uh, then they found an owner who wasn't the guy who owned the Toros. They probably should have gotten him Henry Height because he, uh, you know, had run this team. As one guy said, his checks didn't have a lot of zeros in them, but they never bounced. You know, the guys always got paid. They didn't lose their, you know, they didn't lose their shirts literally or anything like that. And uh, they probably, I think Gary Davidson did talk to him, the commissioner, the founder of the WFL, but he wanted to run the team his way. And he didn't want that. He said, nah. And he didn't trust Davidson. Didn't think it was run right, which he was in the end was correct about. And they came to him again in 75 to see if he'd own the wings. And he said, no, I want to run it my way. No, you got to use this Chris Hemeter, who was the president of the league. He came up with a Hemeter plan, which was kind of like a share of the gate kind of a thing where the players would be played a certain amount would be, uh, would be paid a certain amount. And, um, and then, uh, you know, they would have, uh, you know, and so, but he didn't want that. He wanted to run it his way, which had been successful for about a decade. So they, they went ahead without him. Then he started to sue them. They sued him and it was just a whole mess. And, uh, so, you know, he had that kind of thing. And, you know, I, 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 I've kind of evolved to the point where, and and this is all through my books, was that, yes, the statistics and finding these statistics, which is not easy with the WFL, if you've ever tried to research them, it is not easy. I mean, you can find some kind of sparse things here and there, some kind of partial game things, you know, summaries, statistics. But as far as like full game, it's really tough to find. So, um, but, you know, but I evolved past that you know like i said earlier the statistics got me started on you know that reading in the kessler uh baseball guide street and smith sporting news that got me going but then i evolved to the point where now the stories behind the statistics were just as interesting if not more so you know with these guys not being paid with the things that were going on in the wfl the quotes some of the recollections of you know not only like the central pa team but also the wfl teams the things they went through, the things they had to put up with, but the funny things that happened, you know, the, the, the things that they did, um, you know, sometimes they actually literally got paid with beer on the, on the whitetail bucks. They would just have like a case of beer or something on the bus. And, you know, they would drive back and they, one guy said, yeah, we'd come up to a stop sign. All the empty beer cans would roll to the front of the bus. The bus would pull out and all the beer cans would roll to the back of the bus. And, you know, but all these stories of, of what happened and, and the, some of the personalities just added another layer to the statistics, which again are interesting and love them to death. I still find statistics now and, and, uh, and it's amazing to still find things, you know, newspapers.com is an amazing resource. And, uh, but uh, you know, that has made it a lot more interesting as far as having that narrative of all the stories the personalities, the, the different quotes, 
some of them funny, some of them poignant, some of them sad, you know, but having all that in there and, and that gets me to my, the book I'm working on now, which is a, a, a second edition of the encyclopedia, which is going to be bigger in size, bigger in scope. I've got game summaries for all the games for both years. Um, statistics, uh, player register is going to be expanded to include more uh, transactions, which is going to have a transaction section, which is, I'm thinking right now, probably about 225 pages long itself. I mean, with newspapers.com, I'm still finding them. And it's just, you know, it's not just transactions, but, you know, if somebody sued somebody, if somebody was hired, uh, you know, player signings, player getting cut, that's that kind of thing. But also, you know, um, yes, they got the chance to lease this stadium or whatever it might have been. But, you know, it's up to like 225 pages just for that section alone. I'm not sure if I'm not sure if Dave's going to be able to use all of it. I hope so. But, you know, recollections, there's a whole section of where I've interviewed people or talked to people or gotten their quotes in other in other areas. And that's about 100 pages right now. Quotes. I've got a quote section with all the different quotes and um, a lot of other things, trivia, that kind of thing. Names that maybe you weren't aware of. You know, John Wayne supposedly was going to get a team um, and he was going to call it the Dukes, which makes sense. Not the Pilgrims, but the Dukes. Um, and there was rumors that Spiro Agnew and Frank Sinatra were going to own a team. Um, with the wheels, there were rumors that John DeLorean was going to buy the team. Um, you know, so there's all these names. You know, there's a section that says, you know, you might not know that these names were associated with the WFL, but they were. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be huge. It's, we've worked on it now with my editor for over a year already. And we're still just on 74. We still have 75 to do because the, I don't know if you are familiar with the original encyclopedia. The, the team blurbs were like a page, page and a half. These are up to like 15 to 20 pages. So you've got that. The, the rosters have been um, updated because a lot of the numbers were missing, but I found a lot of those. Um, I found a lot more drafts that they had. Um, there's like an odds and ends section where they've got, I found like some of the lawsuits online with the, uh, you know, the, the, um, details of those, the Chicago fire fight song is in there. So it's a lot of different things in that section. So yeah, it's, it's going to be really big. Um, again, I'm just throwing it out there. And if Dave can put as much in it as he can, that's what we're hoping for. So, yeah. So again, it goes back to that, you know, that time in, in 1969 when my dad got that first one for me. And a Kessler's baseball guide. And it really got me down that road of statistics, then evolving into, you know, you know, even though I read Ball Four and North Dallas 40 and Sunday's Fools by Tom Beer, probably why I'm kind of jaded to, to these days, to this day with reading those books first. But you know, it, it it that kind of got me started. But then just doing the research with the WFL and and, uh, you know, the semi-pro stuff. And to me, it's just fascinating. And I've written a lot of articles for the Coffin Corner for the PFRA. Not all of them dealt with the WFL. Some of them did. Some of them were the NFL. Um, but, you know, that, again, was part of that whole thing, going back to that, getting that start. And thanks to my dad, getting that start with the Kessler Baseball Guide and going all the way through with all the different magazines and 
and doing the research, looking his stuff up. Again, I'm still finding things. Um, um, last thing I've been working on right now, the last couple of days, is the last guys that played in the NFL that were in the WFL. Danny White, Gary Danielson, um, Tony Adams was a replacement player. He was a quarterback for the Southern California Sun in WFL. Came back and was a uh, replacement player in the 87 strike and played a couple games. Um, but they were the kind of the last guys, the late 80s. They were the last guys that were really still in the league uh, from the WFL. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a really big book. I think people are going to be interested in it. Um, you know, is he even able to find um, information about some of the intra-squad games they played in 74 and 75? The blue, they, like, they play like, you know, games, uh, you know, blue and white games or green and gold games or whatever it was and get some a little bit of detail. And I'm not complete, obviously. But, you know, just, you know, this guy ran for so many yards. This guy caught him. You know, this quarterback completed this. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be really well received because it's just so much more information. That, and people like the original one, which does have a lot of information. This is going to have even more. And, again, there was, uh, there was a lot of typos. There was a lot of mistakes. I've tried to correct all of those. Um, and the poor, my poor editor – the book, you know, we were working on it in the early, late 90s to early 2000s. And the, the book itself was on an old floppy disk, which you can't even use those anymore. You can't even find something to put those in. So the poor editor has been having to type the entire book and sending me, you know, like, so here's the section for the Hawaiians for 74. Okay, I'll look through it. I'll add my stuff to it and I'll send it back to you. So that's what we're doing. The poor, the poor woman is like doing like the anti. I said, what did you do to deserve this? Did you have to sit there and type this entire book? She goes, that ah, keeps me busy, you know. So, hey, all right. But, you know, um, it's not something we could just, they could send me the whole book at one time. It's just we're doing it piecemeal, you know, one chapter at a time, one section at a time. The player register was the first thing we did. And that took us from last February until the fall to actually do that. That was because it was like one letter at a time. Here's the A's, you know, and I would have more information than I had. We kind of switched up a little bit, took the games played section out because we didn't really have a lot of that. And to me, it's like, if you don't have it, what's the point? You know, I mean, it's just, you just have a blank space there. You had the NFL stuff, sure. But WFL, you didn't have it. I'm like, and so we decided, now let's take that section out, save ourselves a little space. But I've got a lot more. What I did was I added transactions that occurred after they left the WFL. Like they signed with Atlanta in 75 after the, you know, after they left the WFL and this kind of that, that thing. And that was looking up the old Sporting News football register, if you remember those. And uh, doing that, and again, uh, newspapers.com, again, is, a, is a, an amazing um uh, resource for that. So, yeah, so it, it, uh, it definitely is. I, I use that quite a bit. You know, I'm going to have to get you on and we're going to have to, cause we're going to be, uh, we go through some early football teams and some defunct football teams on pigskin dispatch right now. We're going through the AAFC. We just started it, but I'm planning on doing a, a WFL and I was looking for an expert. And I think I just found one. Maybe <laughs> uh, can have you on and some visit and we'll uh, reminisce some more about that league coming up. But, uh, 
Mark, I, I really appreciate uh, your time today uh, sharing about, uh, you know, not only all your, your great books that you, you've uh, done, we're going to delve into those in some, some Pigskin Dispatch episodes, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, you know, talking about this Kessler's Baseball Guide, really appreciate that and you sharing the memories with us tonight. And uh, we thank you for that. Thank you, Darren. I really appreciate again having me on and uh, letting me uh, bend your ear for quite a while. So, you know, I appreciate it. Sorry, but my pitching coach just called timeout and he's coming out to the mound. I think I'm going to get yanked for a reliever. We'll see you back tomorrow for some more great sports history on Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. We invite you to check out our websites, jerseydispatch.com and pigskindispatch.com. Not only see the daily sports history, but to experience the preservation of great events and people that play the games. Find us on Pigskin Dispatch. It's also on social media outlets of Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel. Get all your daily sports history. Pigskin Dispatch is happy to be associated with the Sports History Network, the sports headquarters of yesteryear, found at sportshistorynetwork.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.